0: That's not true, by the way. If God only gave you what you could handle, you wouldn't need God. We'll get to that later. Just think on that. When someone comes to faith in Christ, they have to wait until they learn something before they can do anything. Churches believe that, and and you're thinking, well, that that can't be right. We encourage people to, to sit and learn and study. You can't do anything yet. You have to learn. You have to know something you, you're a brand new believer, but you can't lead someone else to Christ. You're a brand new follower, and you're, you're learning how to follow Christ, but you can't tell somebody. You've got to wait until you learn something. And we make people wait so long that by the time they know something, they haven't acted on what they already know, and now they're afraid. And they're, Some of us probably find ourselves in that situation where we've learned a lot, but we've waited so long to act on it. Now it's like we're afraid to do it. These premises lead us to adopt a point of view about our responsibility in following Christ that is exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. We have an active role, and that's what we're going to talk about today and for the following three Sundays, some of the active roles that we have in living out Our saved lives. You know, the scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's done. It's completed in the moment when Christ accepts us and he takes us from the old and the new. The old is gone and the new has come. The old man is behind us and the new man is in front of us. And we're being conformed to the image of Christ. But we have to work out that salvation. And that working out of salvation comes with real work, doing. So as opposed to talking about being, we're going to be talking about doing, serving, giving, going, bringing, actively living. Think about all the active verbs in Scripture. Go, follow, stand, resist, discipline your body. We're going to talk about that one today. No one likes that. Western Christians have been sold and in many ways have bought into this idea that I just kind of go to church and follow God from the pew, We have churches all over the country that are filled. Well, there's lots of churches with empty pews, too. But filled with people who are just sitting and waiting and following from their seats. As soon as we become Christians, the easy life begins. (laughs) When in reality, where do we see that in Scripture? As soon as you become a follower of Christ, the hard life begins. Christ, do you remember what He said? You will have an abundant life and a good life. He said, but I tell you the truth. It's going to come at a cost, a cost of suffering. It's going to be a good life, but it's going to be a life of suffering. When someone comes to faith in Christ, we encourage them to do something immediately. You know, when people come to faith in Christ, that's the time where they're on fire the most. You you set them free. You say, go tell somebody else. Go back, tell your parents. Go tell your friends. Go tell your family. And we activate people, and we allow them to become obedient. Remember the scripture we read last week out of, out of Hebrews? I love that we're reading Hebrews right now as a church. Everybody doing well on that? Anybody behind? I should have mentioned you could have done that on the break also. <laughs> Catch up on your reading. What are we through? Hebrews 12? 11? 11. Okay, I think I might have read ahead. I know. Sometimes I read ahead so that I don't fall behind. Hebrews last week when we read talked about maturity, and that's the thing we're going to be focusing on the next four weeks is this idea of maturity in Christ. You see the, the growth in this little plant. That should be how we look one year from now, you don't want to look the same as you do today. Two years, five years. You remember, the writer of Hebrews said, you should be teachers by now. But instead, you still need the elementary truths and the, the we need to, to grow you up, he said, from being toddlers into someone who is mature and teaching. All of us should be teachers, and so I want to take a look at a couple of verses, Hebrews 2, some of the things we've read, just to remind you what they've said in the last couple weeks. Hebrews 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, listen to the action here. We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Just, I'm just going to read some of these so they can kind of wash over you and you can hear the action and the activity in that. These are not being verses. They're doing. Pay careful attention. Hebrews 3, 7 through 13, listen to what it says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you any an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day. We're going to get back to that at the end of the message. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And I think we read those scriptures sometimes and we think, That's a nice message that he wrote to those people, those Hebrews. And we think, that can't be about us. I don't harden my heart to the message of God. Do you ever read the words of Scripture and you go, man, that's me. That's speaking to me. Don't harden your heart. Hear his voice. React to it. Exhort one another. In other words, tell one another, get with it. <laughs> keep following. Keep doing. Keep standing. Keep resisting. That's what we have to do for one another. Hebrews 5. Take a look at 11 through 14. Just keep turning forward. It says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing certainly he's not talking about me for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of god you need milk not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil wow does that sound like you? Do you want, or does it sound like someone you want to be? I want to be that. Every time I read that, I'm just shocked. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. Anybody ever trained for anything? Yeah. Anybody ever wanted to train for something and you started, but you gave up? By constant practice, he says, to distinguish good from evil. Paul in 1 Corinthians is where we're going to land today because this is kind of the intro to what we're going to talk about for the the following three weeks. Today and in three more weeks. We're talking about maturity. And so we're going to hit some different things that Paul and some of the other writers in the Gospels and the Epistles have laid out and said, these are marks of maturity in the Christian life, things that we must be doing. Not just things that we're being in, but things that we're actively doing. So take a look with me over at 1 Corinthians if you'll turn back to that. 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to read, the passage that is going to form the text for our message today. Starting in verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Listen to this next verse. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Don't miss the superlatives here. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Paul is encouraging us to do and he's warning us not to fail. And we're going to hit a couple of these in a minute, but before we get there, you might not know this. Rebecca, she's here today. Hey, Beck. There she is. There's the hand. I don't know why all the teenagers are tired today. David, where is he sleeping at? Stick your hand up, David, wherever you're sleeping at. He's not even in here. He's probably upstairs. He's up there sleeping. Okay. He, they're, they're all tired. But before we moved here, Rebecca and I did Taekwondo for three years, Beck? Yeah, about three years. And she and I earned our black belts. It was awesome. We trained and we worked for three years to get to the point where we could study for and earn our black belts. Right now, I'm doing CrossFit. Anybody ever done CrossFit? No CrossFitters in here. Every, you know, people are like, some people are like, ah, CrossFit, that's you know. that's just people that don't want to do anything. Ah, CrossFit's dangerous. That's just, <laughs> that's just what people that don't want to exercise say about people that do CrossFit. Do I, I need a CrossFit t-shirt now because I sound like I drank the Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> yep. That's okay. I'm proud that I drank the Kool-Aid. I hate burpees. But anybody know what a burpee is? Oh, gosh. I hate those things. Finally, this week, no burpees. Ah, I felt so much better. These two disciplines are really difficult, Taekwondo, CrossFit. You could lump in any other number of things. I don't look forward to going to workouts. I don't know why I keep going, except that maybe I pay for it in advance, and they automatically dock it out of my account, so I'm like, i got to go make that money count for something. It's probably a good thing. And it costs more than I'd like to spend, honestly. And maybe that's also good, because then, you know, if it were cheap, I'd be like, ah, I didn't need that 20 bucks. Right? But it's expensive, and I'm like, ah, I can't really waste that money. Lydia's really very gracious she doesn't if I skip she doesn't like hound me about it she doesn't say oh you should go you know that's money we could have done something she didn't say that it's just the fact that I know I should go and I've paid for it that keeps me going I think it must be it it never gets easier taekwondo never got easier cross it never gets easier because it's infinitely scalable the more you learn the more there is to learn it gets difficult but there's always something more difficult and I like that it's good for me There's this app on my phone. It's called Workout of the Day, and it links to our CrossFit. I don't know why they call them boxes. Are you familiar with that? Instead of a gym, they call it a box. So our CrossFit box, we have an app, and you can go and you can sign in and tell them you're going to be there, and they know you're coming when you get there, so they have everything laid out. Um, It has this page that loads automatically, and it says, here's the workout of the day. I discovered real early I shouldn't look at that because when I see – Burpee box jump overs, I go, no, I don't want to go to class today. So I just, I, I, I load it, I do this now, I load it and I put my hand over the screen so I can only see the sign in button and then I click on the sign in button and then I close it so I don't, I don't want to know what's coming so that I'll go. There's a lot of pain <laughs> in that class, but it, it leads to a developed body. It leads to health benefits. It, it makes me feel better. Lydia said, uh, well, in fact, Rebecca, both of them are like, we'd lived here, what, maybe six months? And I hadn't found anything to do yet. I wasn't doing Taekwondo. I'd gone to one class at a place I didn't care for. It, and I, they're like, you are insufferable. You have to go find somewhere to work out. We can't stand you anymore. And I found out, like, on Mondays, because Mondays are like, you know, the day after Sunday. I know you know that. But for, for, for a pastor who's, you know, we're doing all these things and it's up, Sunday can be down. And I've talked to you about that before and I've asked you to pray for me on Sundays because Sundays can be kind of a down day. I'm, my, Sundays are up day, Mondays are a down day. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. They're like, you really have to go work out on Monday. You need it. You need to relieve stress. You need to go exercise. And since I've been working out on Mondays, I feel tons better. But I'm sore all the time. The process of discipline your bo- disciplining your body results in, in muscle soreness, right? I'm sore. And it's funny, when we would work out in Montana, we would drive home, and I would be sore. We, we drove maybe 15 minutes. By the time we got home, I'd be getting out of the car, and I was like, oh, I'm so sore. And Becca's like, I feel great. And then the next day, she'd be sore. I don't know why. She used to, gets a sore a day later. I get sore, like, immediately. You know what I've discovered is people don't like suffering. <laughs> we, we don't like it. We don't like pain. We don't like soreness. We don't like suffering. We don't like um, that activity that leads to those kind of things. And we avoid it not only in our physical life, but we avoid it in our spiritual life as well. Some of you who were listening just now were like, man, I'm glad I don't work out. <laughs> take that money, I would have spent on CrossFit and go to Dairy Queen or Sonic or Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts or something, right? That kind of muscle soreness and that tiredness that results in developing your body I think is missing for us in our spiritual life. Have you ever worked out so hard at a spiritual discipline that you were sore? Anybody, can you think of, I went went to church today and I went home sore. I don't know what that would look like for sure. But I'm thinking we might not be doing it right when it's so easy that it has no effect of building us up. So I have a question for you to consider. If the byproduct, the natural byproduct of disciplining your body is soreness, what would be the natural byproduct, and this is interesting, of becoming a disciple? Did you know the word discipline, disciple, discipleship, all from the same root? What's this, what's this, this byproduct of becoming a disciple? I mean, Christ says we're going to suffer. He says things like, put aside your will for my will. Put aside your desires for my desires. So maybe soreness is... I don't get something I want? Maybe spiritual soreness is is going against the grain of our culture that says you deserve to be happy and instead going in a direction that I know I should go because the Lord's leading me and I'm not real happy about it? Would God lead you in a direction that would make you unhappy? Ooh, that's a tough question, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, you want to say, well, why would he do that? Of course, he wants me to be happy. But then on the other hand, where do you see that in Scripture? I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God says, I'm going to lead you in the direction that makes you happy. Look at Paul's life. Look at Peter's life. Church history of the, of the other 10, uh, 11. Well, we took Peter out. So the other 10 guys, you see how they died, how they suffered. Christian martyrs throughout history who have suffered for their faith. And we, we just kind of take it easy. We come and we sit and we study and we read. And we should be teachers. We should be at the front line, at the forefront. We should be the soldiers. We should be taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the streets and to people and, and, and finding people who, who God's leading to know Him, but also finding people who are like against that and make it hard for us. We don't, we don't want that. We, don't want, we want to go to the people who want the gospel of Christ, the people who don't want the gospel. We don't, we're afraid of those people because what they might do or say. I wrote a couple of things down here from the Scripture we read in 1 Corinthians 9. I called it a quick guide, a quick guide to disciplining your spiritual life. So I'm going to kind of go through. I really, I, I always encourage you guys, take this home, study it, and talk about it and think about it and pray about it and see it activated in your life. Verses 24 to 27 in 1 Corinthians 9, we talked about the first thing I wrote here is that Paul wrote, Train in order to win. What does that say about the quality of your following Christ? You guys, what does it say? Do what? It's aggressive. What else? Purposeful. You know, when, when I read it, I thought it's not shooting for what's good or what's alright or even great. It's shooting for what's best. God's best, what God says is best, not what I determine is best, but what God says. This is the thing you should shoot for. This is the thing I want to see accomplished in your life through my spirit. We train in order to win. We put the best in. Would you say your spiritual life is characterized by putting in your best? Could you honestly say that this morning? I am putting my best into my spiritual life. In my time alone with God, in my reading, in my study, in my service, in my service out there, in my family. My leadership in my family, my followship in my family, whatever it is. Am I, am I shooting for and am I doing my best? Is my life characterized by the fact that I train not just to squeak by, but I train to win? I'm not, I mean, you know, you guys are going to say, wow, you know, Pastor Sean, he's got it all together. I'm not absolutely sure I could say that about myself. So I'm pretty sure probably nobody else can either. <laughs> Maybe somebody out here is like, I trained to win. Spiritual giant. That's Daniel. Don't sit near that person. <laughs> Who feels like that? Move away. <laughs> Lightning's coming. We all have room to grow. I can't say that that is how I treat CrossFit. I mean, I just confessed earlier I go because I pay for it in advance, and I don't like the suffering. <laughs> I do like, though, when I put on a t-shirt and all of a sudden the sleeves are tight. That was an unusual feeling for me. Not because I had gained weight, but all of a sudden, and I only have a couple t-shirts that fit that way, and so I like to wear those ones all the time. <laughs> it's like I put that t-shirt on because, wow, that's tight in the sleeves. I like that feeling. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But I don't think, go with me here, it, it, Extrapolate that into our spiritual lives. Do you know people who put on their best shirt so they look their best spiritually? You ever met anybody like that? It's a show. They want to look good, they want to sound spiritual. They want people to go, Man, his shirt's tight spiritually. I want to be like him. The fact is, is, is that really training by putting your best into it? Who are you training for at that point? For yourself or for the Lord? Another thing he says in here, he says, every athlete, not all, or no, not some, I love the, the superlatives here, not, not most or some, but every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty, that's how it should be. I mean, a lot of athletes that don't exercise self-control in all things, they, it may be in most things, but they have an excess here, they have an excess there. That's probably true for us. But he says the mark of spirit, a, a spiritual discipline of maturity, one of the marks of that is that you exercise self-control in all things. So do you, are you getting the superlatives we're shooting for here? We're shooting for the best, to not, not just to make it through life, but to win spiritually for God's purposes, not just to, to exercise self-control over some things, but exercise self-control over all things for God's glory and its purposes. You can't put discipline off. It's one of the marks of... Of a, of a disciple, you remember he says, Jesus sitting down with the twelve, and he says, I'm going to send you at the end of Matthew, and he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciplined people. Would you characterize uh, us as a body as a group of disciplined People. If we can look at ourselves and say, we're probably not the most disciplined people or we're not what I think Jesus was talking about, then we're probably doing it wrong. And we need to regroup and we need to refocus and we need to go in the direction, the direction we know to go, train in order to win. Put your best into it, exercise self-control in all things. He says two more things I want to point out. He says, do not train aimlessly. You ever done that in a spiritual life? I'm just reading my Bible because I know I should read. I'm praying because I know I should pray. Where are you going? Uh, I don't know. Wherever the church is going. Where's the church going? Um, I don't really know. Does anybody know where we're going today? Are you getting an idea of where we're headed? I hope we're working on a vision for the church to be a church for the community that we pastor and shepherd 24,000 people that live around this building. That's our vision, in case you didn't know it. We don't write it up and put it on the wall. Maybe we should. I mean, that's a vision I can get behind because I think that's a vision that God's given us for this church. He's placed this church building and the people in it in the geographic center of Elmwood Park for a reason. We're here to shepherd the hearts of 24,000 people towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. We do not train aimlessly. Therefore, everything we do as a church should help us hit that goal. We should aim in that direction we're going. We don't want to box. What does he say? I love it. (laughs) Let's read what he says. I do not box as one beating the air. I did before, after Taekwondo, before CrossFit, I did... What was that called? Kickboxing. Like two or three times. I quit, primarily because we used gloves that everybody else had used, and I couldn't stand the way my hands smelled when I took them out of the gloves. I was like, ah. I was like, I was just like, this is ah. It was so bad. I was like, if I do this, I have to own my own gloves. There's just no way. And I'm not sure anything smells worse than a boxing glove. And I didn't know that. Gross. <laughs> But one thing I learned in boxing, one thing I learned in Taekwondo, um, not so much in CrossFit because you don't kick and hit things, but you don't hit or punch or kick at nothing because you can hurt yourself. You always hit some kind of target, whether it's a punching bag or another person. I mean, in Taekwondo, Becca and I used to beat the crud out of each other. She can kick me in the head. She can kick you in the head. She's an amazing reach. Um, so we would spar, you know, every, every three or four weeks we would all put on gear and we would spar and we would punch and we would kick. The times we weren't punching and kicking and hitting each other, we always hit um, either, you know, somebody holding the glove, somebody holding a paddle or an upright, you know, punching bag or kicking bag or something like that. We always hit something because hitting nothing results in injuries. You can hurt yourself if you kick full speed into the thin air. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it. Try it. No, don't try it. But he's pointing out here that it's foolish to train aimlessly. It's foolish to kick at nothing. It's foolish to punch at nothing. It would be foolish for us as a body of Christ placed in Elmwood Park to just digest spiritual food and do nothing with it. There has to be a goal and a purpose and a direction and an outcome and that is to shepherd the 24,000 people that live in this neighborhood and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. The fourth thing he says is train in such a way that you are not disqualified. What disqualifies you in sports? Breaking the rules, okay? Cheating, right? Right? Anybody hearing about a great disqualification in the last week or two? I heard about a, I heard about one. Anybody watch the Hallmark Channel? I I know. (laughs) Lydia and I watch the Hallmark Channel. You probably heard, no, don't give me the thumbs down. In Montana, they always gave me a hard time about it because they're like all, you know, carrying their guns to church and fishing rods. They're all men's men, and they're like, in fact, one Sunday, I told them the lady and I watched something on Hallmark, and they said, your man card's gone. (laughs) So, sorry. I guess, I guess if that's, I mean, you know, that's all right. I'll I'll own it. I could still take you on in Taekwondo, so. (laughs) So, you heard about the big scandal this week, right? All of the parents, actors, and actresses, and rich people right they were paying thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their kids into college and now some of those people have lost not only their jobs but their kids have been kicked out of the schools they were in or have had to leave the schools i mean it was a it was a huge mess they were running a race and from our perspective it looked like they were doing a really good job but then they were disqualified How does that pertain to us as a church and us as individuals? Paul says, train in such a way that you are not disqualified, lest after preaching to others I should find myself disqualified. I discipline my body and I keep it under control. I think we can think about a lot of ways. I mean, what's the one that jumps to the the top sexually, right? Right? That's the one everybody thinks of. Oh yeah, that's that's the easiest probably the easiest way for somebody to become disqualified. Especially a pastor or somebody who's a leader in the church for something like that to happen. That can result in disqualification, but there's so many other things that can come along. And I'll leave those to your imagination just to think through those. You know what they are because you struggle with them yourself. It's wearing that spiritual shirt to church saying, hey, I'm this person. But really, when you get out of the building and you're back home or you're at work, you're this other person. You don't have to raise your hand, but just on the inside, raise it. Does that sound like you? I'm, I'm this person at church, and I'm this person at school, and I'm this person at home, and I'm this person at work, and I'm out of stage. I'm so many people, I can't keep track of them what Paul's saying. He said, don't find yourself disqualified at the end because you were trying to be too many different people. (laughs) You were trying to be too many different people. Don't cheat. When it all comes down to this, this question, are you disciplining your body or are you coasting? That's where I want to wrap this up today. Are you disciplining this or are you coaching? At Taekwondo, we went three or four days a week. Um, I'm supposed to go (laughs) at least three times to CrossFit. Last week I went once. I've usually gone two or three times. I'm going to try. I, did, I went Saturday, so I'm on one this week, because my week runs Saturday. That's how I just that's how I count it. I like it that way. So I've got one. So I'll go tomorrow, that'll be two, and hopefully Wednesday, that'll be three. They say three to five to have any real effect. Here's the interesting question, though. The, the thing that really bugs me: How many times do we get together as a church? Once. Some of us are in another group that meets Wednesdays or Tuesdays, or maybe there's another group that, that's meeting on another day. So that would be twice. Our, our Taekwondo place in Montana, they met six days a week. I can go to CrossFit seven days a week if I wanted to, if I skipped church because they only go at 10 on Sunday. So I can't go to that one. But there are 45, I, I looked it up, Forty-five times I could go to a CrossFit class. Does that say something about the church? I think it does. Go with me here. How many times a week are you training in righteousness? How many times are you training? Some of these you're going to have to do on your own. Because the church isn't saying, here's training, what would happen? I don't know if we said, hey, we're going to have training every night. We're going to have spiritual training seven days a week, five o'clock. We're going to do it. You know what time some of the people come to my CrossFit box? 5.15 a.m. Who's going to start meeting me here five days a week, Monday through Friday at 5.15 a.m. to do spiritual training? Why are we so hesitant to say, I would do that? Some of you are like, no way. Well, I don't go at 5.15 to CrossFit either <laughs> because I'm not crazy like some of those people. Those folks, they go at 5.15, they go back home, they take a shower, then they get on the train and dry, You know, ride a train somewhere for another hour. They work all day, they take the train back. That's commitment. Where's our commitment? Where's the level of commitment that we have to have? I'm talking about real training, the main reason I do CrossFit instead of like go to a gym, get a gym membership, gym memberships are a lot cheaper, but there's nobody there telling you what to do. That's why I thrived at Taekwondo. That's why I thrive at CrossFit because I go, they already have everything laid out. They tell you, hey, today you need a barbell, you need a kettlebell, and you need some dumbbells. You know, so I go get these things, put some weights on and be ready. We'll start in five minutes. Okay, you go get all your stuff ready and then they tell you what to do the whole time. Now do this. Now do 20 of this. Now do five of that. Now do 10 of this. Now for the next 30 minutes, we're going to do as many reps as possible of these three exercises and row 500 meters. Go. Timer on the wall starts, you know, loud music. I'm not going to to say the music's good. Yeah, some of it's not good. All that aside, though, what a great place to be, right? I'm like one of only two or three Christians that I know in this whole place. That's just a side note. But somebody is there directing me, coaching me, urging me, guiding me, and when you fall behind, other people in the box start calling out your name. I hear my name a lot. (laughs) So I'm always behind, especially on burpees. I hate those. They're doing an open right now at our box, and I was watching it yesterday, and they were doing this thing where You do a bunch, I don't know, you know what a thruster is? You pick up the barbell and you do this. Those are 10 of those, and then jump over the barbell, or jump over, do a burpee. Jump back over, and you do like 10 times and then more of those. And I was watching this one lady in the back, and I was thinking, man, she's brave, because she was like way out of shape. Everybody else is done, and she goes on for like another 10 minutes till she's finished. That's me. That's how I do it. I like, everybody else is done, and they're like going home, and I'm like... More burpees. And they finally just say, Sean, you're done. Go home. It's, it's cool. And I just, I, I don't get through it. But there's somebody there coaching me, and there's somebody there encouraging me, and there's somebody there saying, you can do it. And, you know, like, hey, I, they're like, hey, when I started, I did just like you, and now I, I come five days a week and I can do all these things. You know, there's hope. That's what we should be doing for one another. We should have the same Mindset. I'm going to close reading Scripture out of Hebrews 10. We just read this. Hebrews 10, 19 to 24. I love these verses because they give us a really good idea. I'm not going to read 19 to 24. I'm just going to read um, 24 and 25. Actually, that's not even the right chapter. i got to go one chapter. Where is it? Oh, I'm in the wrong book. No wonder. All right, so Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and it sounds like this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day is drawing near. I love that. Consider how to stir one another up. We should be calling to each other talking to each other we should actually literally be like calling each other I think texting each other phoning each other did you read today did you pray today do you you ever call your other folks in the church your friends your family and say hey did you read the Bible today no did you pray today no well why don't we get together and we'll do that together I, I I'm just I'm just throwing something out there There's a reason we've been reading this, and there's a reason that it's been intersecting with the message series that we're on right now about maturity, because before we can shepherd 24,000 people in Elmwood Park, we have to shepherd ourselves, right? I think that's part of the problem is the American church is holding something out that's not worth the world having. Don't hear me say that Jesus Christ is not worth having. But beyond that, what are we holding out? We've got to get serious in the Elmwood Park Community Church box (laughs) and train for righteousness. We've got to read, to study, to speak to one another the gospel, to speak to the community the gospel, to get outside of these walls and talk to people, talk to neighbors, Pray. Spend time praying. There's so many different things. I think it's possible that our independent American mindset has seeped into our Christianity because in America, we don't talk about, and I grew up, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, right? That's kind of the thing I heard growing up. It's probably not actually an American thing. I think the writers of Hebrew, he, he knew this and that's why he put it in. He wrote us to remind us of this. Matters of faith are not personal. That's exactly the opposite of what the world says. Matters of faith are not personal. If you're a follower of Christ and I'm a follower of Christ, we are responsible to each other. To urge one another on to good works, to stir one another up, to meet together. That's what I want to see us begin to do. How is that all going to happen? That's another discussion we'll have to have because we're out of time. But God's succinctly and, and specifically talking to us today about seeking to become righteous, to be trained, to be disciplined, that we might take that to 24,000 around this church. Some of you don't live around this church. You've got another 24,000 wherever you're at. How many people live around the campus we all go to school at? Off in the woods. 6,000? No, like in the whole area. You know, draw a a five-mile circle around the campus. How many people live there? 300. Okay, so you guys got 300. How many of them are believers? Six. All right. (laughs) I can do math. That's 294. Some of you don't live in Elmwood Park. You live in other places. You live in Schiller Park. You live in Franklin Park. You live in, I don't know where. All the other places you live. Draw a circle around your house. Shepherd those people. But we've got to be built up and right ourselves before the Lord. Trained in righteousness. We ought to be. I just that, that verse just keeps resounding in my head over and over over. You ought to be teachers by now. When I hear that, it's like that breaks my heart. There's so many churches across the country full of people that aren't doing anything. They should be, church, they should be teachers. We should be teachers by now. Just let that settle in your heart today. See what God does with it this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,